0: Medical Education Podcast listeners, this is Kevin Eva, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Vicky Vandenbosa, who is an academic assistant at Ghent University. She's also working on her PhD at the moment, and the paper we're going to discuss, I understand, to be part of that PhD research. It's entitled, From Bones to Bites, Do manipulable 3D models have added value in osteology education compared to static images? Those who are interested will find it in the April 2023 issue of medical education. And with that as background, Vicky, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be on this. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm thrilled to mm-hmm. have a chance to chat about it too. You are an academic assistant, so you're doing quite a bit of teaching in that role, and I presume that to be in anatomy given the focus of the paper. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about what led you down this career path and maybe in particular why you chose to do a PhD?
1: Yes. I started my PhD in twenty twenty. So as you might know, there was a COVID pandemic happening. At <laughs> I've that heard time. of it. <laughs> And so that meant that our campuses were completely closed and there was no face to face teaching at that moment. Then I came in and I saw that our department was struggling to deliver alternatives for our dissection practicals. So that was when I went looking for alternative digital learning environments. And that was also part of my PhD because I needed to do some research, innovative technologies and anatomy education. So that was a really nice bridge between the two.
0: And so did you wind up developing a model or was this something you found commercially? How did you settle on the particular activity that you thought might be most useful?
1: Yeah, so during our search towards digital learning environments, there were some things missing. And one of them was that we didn't find many environments that could offer realistic or high fidelity, as I call them, anatomical models. So we bought, we acquired a 3D surface scanner to scan and digitalize our anatomical specimens and to use them for our anatomy education. So that was why we ended up doing this paper and doing research with high-fidelity 3D models.
0: It's hard to describe perhaps as opposed to viewing, but can you tell us a little bit more about what people actually see on the screen in this manipulable 3D model and how does one manipulate it?
1: So yeah, in this paper, it's a pelvic bone and it's realistic. So the texture is the real texture that you could see on a physical bone. And you can manipulate it 360 degrees in all three planes. So you can do it with your mouse. But also if you have a touchpad or a screen where you can manipulate it with your fingers, you can just rotate it in all planes. So it's like more intuitive than clicking or other manipulations with models that are
0: not fully rotatable. You mentioned early in the paper, uh, as part of the justification for doing this, that the mechanisms or the value of using these sorts of models isn't perfectly clear. What did you know coming in and what was the thing that you thought still needed to be better understood to help you in your teaching practices?
1: We found that there was some foundational research in this field. So in the field of manipulable models, but we also saw that some of these papers were really outdated. For example, in the interaction components of these models, we saw that there were a lot of papers that We're using multiple view models, which is not the same as fully manipulable models. What do I mean by multiple view models? These are models with, for example, rotations at 10 degree intervals, but that's not the same as fully manipulable in 360 degrees. So there was a lot of heterogeneity that made it difficult to draw conclusions about the value of these models. And that's when we saw that there was a gap.
0: And we we wanted to do some research about this. And so you've run a pretty straightforward experiment. You have your manipulable model and a static image model, which I presume to be much like you'd see in a textbook. It's on computer, but a static. And then you manipulated also the way in which you tested students. Can you explain what you're trying to accomplish in doing that?
1: Yeah. So also based on a literature review that we did, We saw that there was a growing misalignment of learning with assessment. And an example of this misalignment is that people were using written two-dimensional tests while students learn with virtual 3D dimensional methods. And this misalignment is really important to consider in order to ensure that no bias enters the assessment modality. So that's why we wanted also to look at the assessment modality in our research.
0: And it's pretty straightforward, right? We've got so now uh, a couple of different outcome tests, the manipulable versus static image, let's not keep people in suspense. What did you find that was particularly intriguing to you?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so maybe I'll start with the study design, because it's needed to explain the results as well. So we set up Two different learning environments, one in which students could learn with a computer-based manipulable model, and one with static images. And then students had to learn for 15 minutes the anatomical features of the pelvic bone. And then we administered three different knowledge outcome tests. And there was one test on a physical bone. Uh, And this test was included to examine the influence of learning modality and to ensure that there was no bias in favor of any modality. So it was independent of the learning modalities. And then secondly, we administered a knowledge that's based on a manipulable model and knowledge based on static images to study the influence of these assessment modalities on the outcomes. And so then we formulated our hypotheses. And so we hypothesized that a manipulable condition would result in higher learning outcomes when assessed on the physical bone. And we hypothesized this based on embodied cognition theories, which state that bodily cues and physical interaction induce higher level of cognitive processing. And then secondly, regarding the assessment modalities, we hypothesized that students would perform better on the assessment modality that was identical to the one they had studied in. So the one they were familiar with and the outcomes were not exactly what we had hypothesized. Despite the principles along the embodied cognition theory, we were not able to reveal a significant difference between the two learning conditions on the physical bone tests, so the independent tests. And for the assessment modalities, we found that the learners who studied with the static images indeed scored better in static images test modality, but for the manipulable test condition, We found no effect of study modality, but a significant correlation between spatial ability and knowledge outcomes. So this showed us that spatial ability seemed to be a stronger predictor of success than the learning condition in this case. So that was a bit surprising, but a really important conclusion.
0: Yeah, and it fits very nicely with some of the work that you alluded to earlier that was using a variety of static images rather than being fully manipulable. And that, that I believe, also showed that if you had things that rotated, spatial ability was really important to enable people to learn that. So thinking about your context and that relationship between spatial ability and how they're learning in the testing, what are you thinking now in terms of how you can best support students in your full class to learn this material?
1: Yeah, it's, I think, really important to have some systematic research that is investigating this. I mean, it's not a question if we are going to use these digital models, but how we need to integrate them to reach like all of our learners. Therefore, I think our research should focus on the instructional methods rather than on the technical design of the learning materials so we can get the learning material in the right way to the right learners.
0: And as the pandemic subsides, at least in many ways, and we have a bit more openness currently in terms of being able to be together and in person again, are you continuing to anticipate that these virtual models are going to have a major role to play?
1: Yeah, I think for The Ghent University, we also want to use these environments to better prepare the students before they come to the dissection practicals, because now we see that there is a big gap between learning in your anatomical atlas versus coming to the dissection room for the first time and seeing the human specimens, which look totally different. And therefore, I think especially the high fidelity models, have a really big role to play in this preparation phase before students come to the dissections.
0: So almost like a flipped classroom then for the anatomy lab, getting getting people more actively involved in their learning before they come in and explore the dissection.
1: We also see that the examinations of students takes a lot of time for our faculty. And maybe there is also a role to play to get these digital learning environments to use them for the examination tools. So yeah, that would also be very nice to have.
0: Absolutely. And so clearly there's more work to come. I'm tempted to ask what is next, but I don't want to have you give away results or uncertainties from the next stage of your PhD. So I think we'll just wrap up there and remind people that the paper we've been discussing is called From Bones to Bites manipulable 3D models have added value in osteology education compared to static images? Vicky Vandenbosel is the first author. And Vicky, I'm sure I speak for everyone listening when I say look forward to hearing what's coming next. Because as you said, there's a lot to be sorted through yet with respect to how we can take advantage of the technology without being distracted by it.
1: <laughs> Thanks. I'm excited as well to see what's coming.
0: Okay. Good luck with that. And thanks again for taking the time to do this.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.